This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Let's start with the latest Eurozone inflation figures, and uh, it has dropped again, and by more than expected, probably mainly thanks to falling energy prices. Uh, Consumer prices across the Eurozone area rose by 5.5% in the year to June, sort of uh, numbers that we dream about here in the UK, and that is down from 6.5% in May. So, uh, Craig, that is lower than uh, economists expected. It is. Uh, and I think there's a couple of really good components to this, to be quite honest. There's the fact that the headline inflation has fallen further. But as you've alluded to, things like energy prices have a big role to play in this. And that's going to flatter the headline rate a lot more than the core rate, which is what policymakers are going to be more concerned about. But the core rate, which actually moved higher, didn't move higher by as much as expected. Uh, so it looks like we're nitpicking here, but we're not. Because the reason why the core rate was expected to nip higher was because of unfavorable base effects for once. And that's because last year uh, at this time, Germany implemented a transport subsidy, quite a significant one, uh, which had a big influence on the inflation numbers last year, but created unfavorable base effects this time around for the next two or three months. And the fact that it wasn't as impactful as people expected is a really positive sign because it only lasts until August, this unfavorable base effect, at which point in August, September time, we should see the core inflation number dip down quite a bit again. So this is a really positive signal. It shows that despite the fact that it looks like a step back on core inflation, it's actually a step forward once you strip out that brief subsidy in Germany. So I think broadly speaking, we'll look at this report and we're saying this is a really big step in the right direction. I'm sure ECB policymakers will still be concerned that it's still so high and they're not going to get complacent over this. I don't think it's going to prevent another rate hike in July, but it does call into question whether we're going to need one in September. Uh, And I think it's a real positive step in the right direction. But as I say, as we heard from Lagarde yesterday, as we heard from ECB a couple of weeks ago, they're not ready to be complacent at this point. They know there's still a job to do. This is just a real positive step. So Eurozone CPI down. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we had the US CPI numbers and we're awaiting the core PCE numbers today. Uh, Nick, what's happening where you are? In terms of the U.S., uh, just to cross-examine, I guess, with some of the stuff Craig shared with us there happening over in Europe, and as you briefly mentioned, over in the U.K., right, all the differences here, uh, inflation, of course, highest in the U.K., but over here in the United States, we do have some interesting stuff coming, of course, today. At the time of recording, we've got Core PC coming out. We don't know that number at the time of recording this, but that will probably be market moving, but there were several things that happened here this week and recently that in the United States have been pretty market moving for both the indices as well as the currencies out there. And so one thing, of course, that I want to mention when it comes to stuff that happened this week, we did get a pretty good surprise in the United States yesterday, Thursday at the time recording this. It was a 2% final GDP quarter over quarter number compared to the 1.4%. And we also had a beat in the jobs department. We had, in terms of unemployment claims yesterday, 239,000 compared to the expected 270. 
164. That's down from the previous month by a good factor. And so what we're seeing here is we're seeing economic strength. And on Wednesday's podcast, Ed and I went back and forth um, talking a little bit just about how resilient the U.S. economy has been and what this means going forward. I think that there's this weird sort of limbo effect where the equities market is just incredibly bullish right now. But Jerome Powell has continuously pounded his fist saying that two rate hikes are still coming. There's this interesting divergence. There's this interesting sort of tension in the room. And I think that these economic numbers definitely add some case here that perhaps two rate hikes could be coming out of the United States. And I wanted to also talk briefly about the GDP numbers that we had yesterday. What was very interesting was that if you pulled up the chart for gold and you watched it, I was actually watching at the time of the numbers dropping. I had gold pulled up on my screen and gold dropped precipitously. It was like a sudden rush to the downside. And it was because one thing in terms of the gold world yesterday, it was a knockout hit win for the bears because GDP, as you know, newer traders may not be super aware, being very strong, whether it be in the United States or in Europe or in UK, basically economic resiliency is not necessarily a bullish case for always for gold because again, some of that fear factor, some of that safe haven stuff. Remember when we were a couple of months back on the podcast talking all about uh, Silicon Valley Bank and, and bank failures and fears around the economy and potential recessions, gold was rocketing higher during that time, well, the opposite effects can happen when things are looking good. Not to mention the jobless claims were also much better than expected. And so we're seeing some you know, resiliency in the economy and specifically even in the jobs market. So what does that do to things like gold? What does it do to the dollar? Well, uh, it causes strength for the dollar. And what it also does is it adds some validity, in my opinion, to Powell's statements about more rate hikes potentially coming because of the stubbornness that they're trying to kind of ebb away at in the U.S. economy. So um, I don't know, Craig, what do you think about everything that, of course, there is that tension, right? There's that tension between you have the bonds market and um, the Jerome Powell statements. And then at the same time, you also have the stock market, which at the time of recording this has been flying higher um, in light of all of this stuff. What do you think about all that? Yeah, the disinflation process is interesting because it was always going to come in two parts, right? The first part was actually seeing the end of rising inflation and seeing that quite stark fall, uh, which we still haven't seen here in the UK. We're, we're, we're crossing our fingers and hoping it will come over the next couple of months. We've seen it a lot more in, Europe, in the rest of Europe and we've seen it in the US uh, already. Then there was the next phase of inflation, the more stubborn component, which is effectively almost kind of getting back from four to two. Uh, and that's the part that was always going to be determined or that was always going to determine whether interest rates fall next year or later this year or stay at these higher levels. And I think that's one of the concerns that central banks still have. We've talked about, for example, the Eurozone inflation data this morning. Central banks are going to be really encouraged by it. What they're not going to be encouraged by is the unemployment data that came out alongside it. Unemployment remaining at these extremely low levels. Uh, because what that signals effectively is the labour market is, is still tight. And what a tight labour market does is it means that we could continue to see strong wage growth for a longer period of time. Central banks don't just want to defeat headline inflation and try and get that back as close to 2% as possible. They want to do it on a sustainable basis. And that's not consistent with wages growing at 6% or, or above. It's actually consistent more with wages rising by around 35 to 4%. So with the unemployment rate still very low and the economy performing really well, central bankers are not going to feel confident enough 
either to to declare the end of the tightening process or to start cutting rates uh, anytime soon. So we do need to see progress on uh, both fronts. And that's where what you've alluded to with the GDP data. That's why it is still important, because that means higher rates for longer, which is more damaging economically in the longer term. What we want to see is some slack appear in the labor market, wage growth subsides somewhat, GDP maybe flat, maybe slightly negative for a short period of time. And that will encourage central banks that their job is done, that they've achieved their goal, because until then, they're still going to be very cautious. Yep, good points there all around, especially, again, when we talk about the big story of central banks worldwide, uh, there are some trends that carry over cross-examining right between the UK, Europe, um, US, and, and uh, in some ways what the US does, many other places will be watching and, and vice versa. So um, again, some important stuff coming out with inflation uh, coming down in, in Europe. It's it's uh, probably, like you mentioned, in some ways a victory for central banks, not just in Europe, but in many places to see some of those trends forming um, in, in places perhaps similar to their own. Uh, will that hopefully make its way over to the UK for you guys? I do hope so. So um that's uh, fingers crossed for you and uh definitely an interesting trend to pay attention to we've had some chinese uh, pmi data uh, overnight guys and uh, china's manufacturing activity contracted for a third straight month in june but at a slower pace so we might see a bit more pressure building for policymakers to release more stimulus to shore up weak demand i would imagine in china yeah, well, when it comes to China, it's another one, like I mentioned, just getting off that trend of paying attention to central banks. We have this weird thing, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, we have this weird thing where it's kind of us and them, Western and, and um, you know, the, the East, right? But it is a very, very important thing to pay attention to what comes out of China because of the massive, massive impact they have on not just their local economy, but the global economy. Um, one thing that's interesting, I've actually been watching the Australian dollar recently, which has been really under pressure, which has stayed in line with what we've been discussing recently on the on the podcast about China. So for those of you guys, quick tip for the audience, people who would like to keep up with it, if you're, if you're a currency person, if you pay attention to it, check out the Aussie dollar anytime you want to talk China or you want to look at it. It has some strong correlations there just because of the nature of, uh, you know, the business that they do in the Pacific there. Uh, of course, China is a major player and so is Australia. So it's always interesting to keep an eye on that. And and the China slowdown stuff um, recently has been reflected in the Aussie dollar currency pair. And I do think that, you know, watching those trends and what the central bank, right, the PBOC, their, their direction is something that's often overlooked in conversations, but it's a massive massive, massive central bank. It has so much power in terms of the global economy and what they do um, can be very impactful. One one little interesting thing recently ha was uh, there was a big dip in gold. I think this was about two weeks ago, a week back or two weeks. Uh, but gold is quoted against the dollar. The dollar barely moved and gold made a big move. And many people are wondering why. Well, it was something that the PBOC did. They made a policy change. Uh, I'm, maybe one of you guys can remind me exactly what it was. I wasn't paying too close attention. I just know that there was like a, I think it was like a surprise interest rate cut or something like that. It caused gold, uh, or caused the dollar, I'm sorry, to make a big move. And so did gold um, because of sort of the safe haven effect, right? People who are working with Chinese currency compared to US currency, they might flock to the US currency based on what that central bank does. There is that, that, that uh, relationship, which actually can be very interesting but it's kind of like a shadow relationship that's kind of weird to talk about. Craig, do you, do you feel the same? Do you know what I mean kind of with that dynamic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got to remember that 
it does feel like you're talking about two totally different economies, but at the same time, it's the world's largest economy and the world's second largest economy. Uh, and therefore, they are both extremely important. There are some countries that rely more heavily on what China is doing and sort of others that rely more heavily on what the US is doing. And I think the rate move that you were talking about uh, was the five-year LPR. So you've got the median term uh, lending uh, refinancing rate, which is what the, the central bank publishes. And then about a week later, we get the the LPR, the loan prime rates, the one and the five-year. One year tends to be more focused on short-term loans and business loans, and five-year tends to be more linked to mortgage rates. And the MLR, the MLF, sorry, actually cut by 10 basis points the week before, and this was shortly after banks had uh, announced that their lending rates were a bit lower. And then, so we were expecting 10 basis points from the one and the five-year LPRs, and the one-year cut by 10 basis points, and I think the five-year cut by five. And the message that really sends is that while we've heard a lot of talk about wanting to support the property market and support the mortgage market, that actually maybe there is a little bit less focus on that, but also that they're taking a much more cautious approach in their stimulus efforts. There was a lot of expectation at the start of the year. We'd see a lot more Chinese stimulus this year. We've seen some. We haven't seen loads. Then we saw the economy performing well. So it was like, well, maybe we just don't need that as much. But then actually the recovery has stalled. So again, the talk became more about stimulus again and they're not necessarily following through at this stage. So there is that concern that policymakers are taking a much more cautious approach. And if China uh, as an economy is underperforming, that they won't actually step in as aggressively as they may have done historically and that maybe people expected them to over the course of this and as you've rightly alluded to, that has knock-on effects primarily in other parts of kind of Southeast Asia where there are very close trade ties. It also has knock-on effects for Germany, which has close trade ties as well with China and also uh, Australia, which you mentioned with the Australian dollar. So if we're not going to see these massive infrastructure efforts and we're not going to see additional, them kind of double down on on um, on structural investment like they have done in the past, then that has implications, of course, for uh, Australia's um, big export sector of, uh, of various commodities, which is used uh, as part of this. So there is big implications, particularly for that part of the world. Well, but it does reverberate further as we've just alluded to craig nick thanks for joining us have a very good weekend thanks johnny thanks a lot market insights the market pulse podcast by oanda 